millions of Christians face intense persecution and risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Vom Oz Radio supports persecuted Christians, giving a voice to the testimony of those who have been denied a voice. Our programs inform and encourage Christians in Australia and around the world to mobilize and to stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted. Welcome again. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in the studio today with Jonathan Ekman. He is the Vice President for International Ministry. He has been our guest previously, so you will be familiar if you are a longtime listener. Jonathan, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. It's great to be here. Christmas is coming this week. Um, what does that mean to Christians in the places where VOM serves? And, and I mean that kind of from two perspectives. One is obviously the safety perspective. You know, is it more dangerous for them at Christmas? Uh, but the other perspective is kind of the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. What does that mean to someone in a jail cell or someone who's hiding from everyone because they're a follower of Christ? Well, I, I think the obvious answer is it looks completely different than here in the U.S. <laughs> um, in our fields, people aren't going out and Black Friday shopping and and all of those things. It really is a sacred holiday celebrating the birth of Christ. Uh, and I, I, for me, I find it amazing. You know, I, I sometimes look around at Christmas uh, here in the U.S. and think we, we've completely missed we the point. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's it's beautiful to watch. As far as safety, it just depends on the situation. A great story. One of our, our staff a couple of years ago was called in by the authorities and told there will be no Christmas in this area. And our, our staff members said, well, you will do what you must do. We will do what we, we must do. And I remember he sent me an email and said, what should we do? And I said, brother, I have no idea, but we will pray. And three days later, he sent me back and he said, we've prayed and fasted as a church and we're going to have Christmas. And I said, brother, praise God, we'll be praying for you through that season. Later, he sends me photos. They have a huge tent set up. They're, they're, it's a big festival. <laughs> so it's not a quiet ceremony. It was not quiet at all. And the authorities did nothing. It, it's the thing that continually amazes me about our, our partners and staff, uh, just their boldness yeah. and the, the, the meaning of Christmas, that it means enough that you would risk your life to celebrate it and be, not be told, no, we're not going to do that this year. And not about the presence. Yeah, it's not about it, the presence about at the all. Presence of Jesus, yes, but not go. the presence that are under the tree. Are there safety concerns? I mean, I would think if you if you wanted to make a statement about how much you don't like Christians, uh, Christmas would be a time to do that. Sure, there are. I mean, we saw that with Easter mm -hmm. in Sri Lanka a yep. couple of years ago. It, it can happen because the churches will meet often, uh, and they they could be targeted. It seems that often God watches over those yeah. gatherings. We we don't he see does. a lot of attacks at Christmas, but it certainly is possible. We're going to do some looking back and some looking forwards because we're getting ready to start into a new year. And I know you're already thinking about budgets and projects and countries and, and where that's going to happen. But I want to start out looking backwards and especially the last 20 months of COVID, <laughs> which right. it seems like we've talked a lot about COVID uh, in, in our culture and in our society and even here at VOM, 
what has frontline ministry looked like, but also what has VOM's ministry looked like over the last 20 months? How has it changed? What have been the challenges? And are there some stories of, of really God using COVID to, to do some cool things? Yeah, it's, it's been a mixed bag. It really depends on where we're looking. If we, if we look at, the, at our staff that are based here in Bartlesville that travel, it's been a very difficult 20 months with much of the world being locked down. Uh, certain fields, much of Africa was open most of the time. Uh, other fields like Asia were completely closed the whole time. The great part about VOM, though, is the majority of our staff are not here in Bartlesville. Yeah. They're around the world. And what we found was much of the work was still able to be accomplished. It was more difficult, but it was absolutely <laughs> doable. So we've seen that happen through the last really 18 months. And we're looking forward, it seems, and until very recently, it seemed like the world was beginning to open up again. We are just looking for every opportunity we can. In international ministries here at VOM, we always say we take every necessary risk and no unnecessary risk. So the way that plays out practically is if we can get into a country, we're going to go. For our partners and staff in the field, though, being able to continually get out of their hometown and be able to go out and do distributions and training events and things like that, the majority of that has been able to be accomplished by God's grace. What does it mean to one of your staff members after a year, 18 months, when they are actually able to get on the plane and go and see the people that we serve? Because that's why we exist, right, is to serve right. those people. So what what does that mean after those long... And, and obviously, they've talked on the phone, and they've sent emails, and they've done the Zoom meetings and all those things. But it's very different when you get to sit down and drink a cup of tea and say, hey, how's your family? It's kind of like Christmas. <laughs> Right. You've been waiting so long, the anticipation, you know, and, and to finally be on a plane and headed somewhere. It's really exciting. I was able to go to Tajikistan just a couple of months ago and just to be back on the road for, for people who work at VOM. It's kind of our life is being on the road. So being back on the road is exciting. But even more than being back on the road is to be able to sit in a room with a pastor, a church planner, people that I consider to be rock stars in the kingdom, and to just sit and say, tell me what's been happening. And then just to listen to all that God is doing uh, in the midst of COVID, in the midst of political up upheaval and turmoil, God is still moving and God is still bringing people to himself. And I think it's important for our listeners to know that that our staff— we feel the same way many of you do about the people we talk to, the people that we serve. They're heroes. Uh, and so, and I know Jonathan feels this way. When we get to go and, and have tea with our hero, that's a pretty amazing thing. It's a pretty cool thing. Are there some, some good news stories that have come out of COVID? Because we obviously it has limited travel. It has limited lots of things. Are there some good news stories? I'll, I'll tell you my favorite story of the whole year. <laughs> it takes place in a very restricted country. Uh, in which we were trying to move Bibles and have been trying to move Bibles for a while. We had about 50,000 Bibles staged on the border for a couple of years and just praying that God would somehow open a door or even like open a window just a little bit, just some a way, crack. <laughs> a crack, we'll take anything, to be able to get those Bibles into this, this very restricted country. And it didn't seem like anything was happening. And then all of a sudden, COVID comes. And the whole world locks down. And suddenly, 
it's not as hard to get across the border. The border's still closed, but there are less people watching the border because everyone's they're, at home. They're all in lockdown. They're all in lockdown. <laughs> so over a, a couple of weeks period, we were able to move all of those Bibles into this restricted nation. The other thing 50, that was— 50,000 Bibles. Yes, several wow. truckloads. And then the other really exciting part was the other thing that came with COVID was masks. Well, in this country that we're talking about, it's one of the most dangerous things in the world to distribute Bibles. But now everyone's wearing a mask and you can't recognize anyone. And earlier this year, I went and watched video of people just walking up to strangers on the street and handing them a Bible. My favorite moment was someone walking in. This is a Muslim nation walking into a doctor's office. There's an older lady. She's completely covered except for her eyes. And this young lady walks up and hands her a Bible, a New Testament. And the lady says, what is that? And she says, it's an Injil. It's the New Testament, right? And the lady started to cry. She said, I've wanted one of these for so long. She goes, I've wanted to learn more about Isa. And this young girl smiles at her and says, he's who sent me here to give you that. And this lady just wept and just clutched the Bible to her. And I thought, only God can do things like that. So even in the midst of COVID, God is still accomplishing his purposes around the world. Voice of the Martyrs is working more than 70 countries around the world. Our goal, and we talk about this often, is a Bible for every believer. We want every believer in Christ to have their own copy of God's Word. How are things going? (laughs) Question number one. And then question number two, as we look ahead to 2022, are there some things you're—and obviously when we talk about Bible smuggling, we're not going to broadcast too much, but are there some things you're excited about as we look ahead to the next year? Well, things are going well. Uh, I, we distributed more Bibles this year than we've ever distributed at Voice of the Martyrs. Amen. Uh, in the which, midst of a pandemic. In the midst of a pandemic, God is good, right? Um, yeah, it, it's it's exciting to see the way the Lord is moving in, especially in, in particularly difficult countries. Um, and, and continuing to open doors and bring together uh, a coalition of partners, both organizations and indigenous networks, to be able to get Bibles into those places. The, the exciting thing for me looking forward is in 22, 2022, I should say, we have, as a team, have committed to really getting every opportunity, every opportunity we have to put a Bible in the field, in the hands of a believer, we're going to do it. So, we are already planning to do more Bibles in 22 than we did in 21, and it looks very, very realistic that we will be able to do that, uh, Lord willing. So, yeah, I, I believe at the core of my being that every follower of Jesus deserves the right to have a copy of God's Word, whether that's paper and ink or digital or audio, in some context, even oral Bibles. It is a passion for our team to put that word out there. And then you've been there, Todd. You, you've sat in a room with someone who's never had a Bible before and seen them receive a Bible for the first time. There's nothing like that. I, I think like in the it. States, I, we take we take the Bible for granted so often because we have a thousand We have it in our pocket. It's in our pocket, and we still don't read it. And then you'll see people who will walk days to come and get a Bible. And who will risk their lives? And I want to ask you that question because you mentioned we're working with partners. We're working with indigenous church leaders, indigenous Christians. We're putting them at risk, or, or they're putting themselves at risk. Does that— 
give you pause when, when you think about—I mean, you think about delivering 50,000 Bibles into a very, very close country where they wouldn't think twice about executing someone for bringing in 50,000 Bibles. We have to think of it like the New Testament says, we're at war, right? And as long as people have counted the cost, everyone on our team has counted the cost— and the people we're working with, who often bear much greater risk much than greater. we have, absolutely, they have counted the cost. I would feel guilty if I if I put someone at risk and they didn't know they were at risk. But we don't do that. We're working with people who are experts at this and who have done this for years. For example, underground printing operations. We know, and so do they, that once you fire up an underground printing operation, one to three years, and you're going to prison. They're going to find you. And yet they will still do it. So, again, just the privilege and honor for us as Voice of the Martyrs to be able to work with brothers and sisters like that who know the risk and are willing to pay the risk to put the Word of God into, into people's hands. Are there some countries where, where you're concerned about Bible delivery? <laughs> and not necessarily—but but just the difficulty. And I think, you know, we've talked about the surveillance system in China. How hard is it to do something illegal in China right now where they have a camera every single place and facial recognition software that recognizes every person? Um, are there other places where it is becoming much harder? I think there are places where we see a window of opportunity. China would be a great example. There are others that I won't name. Uh, are great examples of there is this window right now where we can still put Bibles in those, in those countries. And what we're trying to do is seize every one of those opportunities and to put as many Bibles as we can because China, as an example, we believe the, the window will close yeah. eventually in China. It didn't close in 21 and seems to still be open in 22, so we will continue to move forward. But we know there's, there's a, a set amount of time unless things radically change in the right. country. That's true in multiple countries around the world. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're just watching. Uh, and it is, it is um, a tremendous honor to be able to do that, right? Is if the window's going to close, we want to we be sure you have a Bible when it right. closes, right? So, <laughs> And, you know, we also serve the Lord who parted the Red Sea, and he can open windows and open doorways and do amazing things. Sometimes he does it with COVID. So. <laughs> Sometimes he does it with COVID. Uh, Jonathan, I want to talk specifically with the time we have left about Africa. Uh, it seems like in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot more persecution uh, we have seen the growth of radical Islam. Um, talk to me about the continent of Africa and, and specifically about VOM's work. Where are you seeing it grow? Where are you seeing more persecution? And I know our, we're developing more staff because we need to help meet yes. these needs. Well, so Africa is, as you said, radical Islam is—sometimes you'll say you can look at a map of Africa and almost see radical Islam moving south in Africa. Uh, it's happening at such a rapid pace. You know, historically, VOM, the big countries have been Nigeria and Sudan. And those are still very significant countries, and Nigeria, especially northwest Ni or northeast Nigeria. Um, Ethiopia this year, uh, in the last couple of years, has become the largest persecution field for us with huge attacks and the, and the evangelical Christians being caught kind of in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've also seen 
Central African Republic, uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, Northern Mozambique. So last year, if you look at, or in 2021, all of our work in Africa, of all of it, 75% was persecution response. And let's unpack that a little bit, because we talked about Bibles. That That's sort of one of our big umbrellas for our work. We also talk about frontline ministry, which is helping, I call them pre-persecuted Christians, people who are doing work where they're likely to be persecuted. But then persecution response, what does that look like in the field? So what that looks like, especially in Africa, is responding to large-scale attacks on Christian villages, on Christian churches, uh, internally displaced people, people who've been driven from their home. And we're seeing that in really all of those fields. Uh, So trying to come alongside them and help them in in the emergency time of they need food and shelter, uh, those types of things. And then as it goes on, looking at ways to how do we help them get back? How do we help them rebuild? How do we reestablish the witness of Christ in those fields? You know, for us around the world, when it comes to persecution response, VOM really exists for those who stay. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we're going to take all of the Christians out of a place because it's dangerous, what happens to a gospel witness in that country? You know, so we want them to stay. So how do we help Reestablish. How do we help the church reestablish itself and reestablish a witness among those who persecuted them? I want to talk a little more about Ethiopia because, you know, there's as long as I've been at VOM, there's been persecution in Ethiopia. I remember being there and meeting teenagers who had been kicked out by their parents because yeah. they left Islam. They were following Christ. But it wasn't like a whole village got burned down because there were Christians in the village. What's changed? Why has it gotten so much worse? What's changed is really a, a war that has broken out. Uh, you know, what you're referring to, we still see across Africa, really across the world, where a, a young person comes to Christ and their family drives them out or the village drives a family out. What we're seeing now is, in Ethiopia in particular, is a full-blown war between a rebel group and and the government. And then you have uh, other religious groups around that, and the, the evangelical Christians are caught in the middle. So what that has done is that has changed the scale from ones and twos or four or five to hundreds sometimes, or even thousands who have been just flat out driven away. So it, it is a very complex situation. You can pray for our team working there. It's become uh, very hard to get to Ethiopia now. So it is probably one of the most complex situations in our work right now. Give us some specific ways to pray, because I, that's one thing we want to do, we always want to do, is equip listeners to pray. As you mentioned, that there is a civil war going on. It seems like in some cases the civil war is sort of cover for persecution, because, oh no, that wasn't an attack on a church, it was just yeah. the war. It is, yeah. I, I I always want to pray for our brothers and sisters that they would have peace. And I often say, I pray for them that they would have a tangible sense of God's presence. We know that God is always with us and that God is is here, even in this room as we talk. But in those situations, that those brothers and sisters would would know it in a a way that only God can do it, right? Because I, I can't even imagine. You know, and as long as I've been doing it, I still I can't imagine 
to just have lost everything. And now you're on the run with your family and you have no, no idea what the future would be. That God would give them peace. That, that God would watch over them, protect them. It's a very dangerous time. Not only protect them from rebels, but disease, hunger, those types of things. Would God watch over them? And then that God would help them to forgive those who persecuted them. It's probably the hardest thing they'll ever have to do. Yeah, I, I think those things, just that tangible sense of God's presence and his peace and that God would protect them and help them to forgive. And we know that God answers those prayers because we've heard story after story after story after story of, I knew God was with me. I felt his presence. I'll never forget Pastor Hassan, who sat in the chair you're sitting in now. We talked about being in prison in Sudan, sleeping many nights on the floor, and he said, I would weep as I slept. And and me, kind of being dumb, was like, oh, because you were so lonely and because you miss your family so much and because it was a concrete floor and it was so uncomfortable? He said, no, 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 I would weep at the presence of Christ. He was so close and so real. The only response I could have was to weep tears of joy. That's what we're asking. I still remember an old pastor in Burma one time asking me, have you ever been in prison for Jesus? And I said, no, brother, I've, I've never been in prison for Jesus. And with a big smile on his face, he said, oh, brother, you don't know Jesus like I know Jesus. Wow. And I said, I'm sure I don't. Wow. Jonathan, we talked about Ethiopia. You mentioned Central African Republic. You, are there other places in Africa that things are particularly difficult or that should be at the top of our prayer list? Because Africa is a place that doesn't get a lot of media attention here in the U.S. We don't hear about these stories. We don't hear about these situations. Are there other countries that you would put on our listeners' prayer lists? Well, in Africa, I think it's northern Mozambique and the Central African Republic. Those are are places that never make the media. We're really just beginning to explore and find more and more persecution as as we dig in there. So, yeah, I think those are two of the the big ones. Both have large numbers of displaced Christians in those those two fields. So I think that's a great place uh, for people to pray. Last question for you, Jonathan. We are just about, in in just a couple of weeks, the 2022 Global Prayer Guide and the VOM Prayer Map for 2022 will come out. We don't have new countries this year, but are there— situations that our listeners should be aware of? Are there situations that maybe you thought about new countries or you look at it was close? I think what we've discussed about Africa is a good place mm-hmm. for, for our listeners to focus. I think also the, the ongoing situation in China uh, is a place of, to pray. India would be the same, as we've seen just the continual rise of Hindu nationalism uh, in India. The ongoing, you know, it's one of those things, sometimes they talk about compassion fatigue. When we think about Iraq, Syria, they've been happening for so long, it's still terrible, right? Yeah. So continuing to pray for for our brothers and sisters that are there, those are good places. And then I think the one that is probably in a lot of people's minds is Afghanistan. What's going to happen in Afghanistan? I, I will say this, some of us are very excited about what may happen in Afghanistan. We really believe the Taliban may be the best evangelist ever to do ministry in, in Afghanistan. So pray for Afghanistan. Pray for Taliban to come to Christ. Those Amen. things. Amen. 
Jonathan, it is always fun when we get a chance to hang out and talk, and uh, I'm excited about what God has in store for 2022. I know you are as well, and just so thankful for him letting us do this work. I mean, we we it's come to amazing, work every day and say, I can't believe God lets me do this. Um, so very exciting things. Thank you for being our guest this week. Christians in hostile nations may live far from us. As believers, we know that we are one with them and part of the body of Christ. As such, we can't ignore their suffering. If the Holy Spirit is impressing you to know more and support the work of Voice of the Martyrs, please visit our website at vom.com.au. All donations of $2 and more are tax deductible in Australia. This has been a production of Vom Oz Radio, voice for the persecuted.